Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Through the Noise podcast. I'm Steve Bryce and I run the CIO office for Standard Chartered Bank. Last week, we released our Q4 investment report titled Navigating a Difficult Near-Term Outlook. Today, we will start a mini-series of podcasts where we go into uh, a little bit more detail, starting with the economic outlook. To do this, I have with me today Rajat Bhattacharya, who runs our economic section. We will talk about where we are in the economic cycle, the outlook for inflation, what are the risks of a recession in the coming months in both the US and in Europe, as well as the outlook for China as we head towards the end of this year and into 2023. So Rajat, let's get started. So 2022 clearly turning out to be the toughest year for investors since the global financial crisis. Uh, Obviously, that crisis was triggered by uh, financial imbalances and imbalances in the US housing market. This year is very different. It's been driven more by, I guess, you know, obviously inflation is extremely high, but it's a traditional economic cycle dynamic. So can you help us understand where we are in the economic cycle, please? Sure, Steve. Yes, I agree that this year's market turmoil has more to do with what I call the fast-tracked maturing of the business cycle that initially started in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. It has less to do, in my view, with any major systemic imbalances so far. We are approaching the end of this unusually long business cycle. The COVID pandemic of 2020 temporarily stalled the cycle before the overwhelming reaction from policymakers accelerated it. The extraordinary monetary and fiscal policy stimulus injected during the depths of the pandemic, and I don't really blame the authorities for it given the once-in-a-lifetime crisis, only turbocharged the business cycle. The massive stimulus and pandemic-driven household savings led to excessive demand. Meanwhile, suppliers of goods and services struggled to meet the excessive demand due to bottlenecks in transportation and labor markets. While the supply bottlenecks have significantly eased this year, labor markets in the U.S. and other major developed economies have tightened considerably as businesses struggle to find enough workers to cater to the excess demand. As a result, wages and associated costs, crucially house rents, have shot up. The Ukraine war, which drove up energy costs, particularly in Europe, only added fuel to the fire. This is the genesis of the current bout of inflation, now running at 8-10% to 10% in the US and Europe. We haven't seen such high inflation lasting for so long since the 1980s. This is a clear sign in my view, Steve, that we are in the fag end of the economic cycle. Okay, so given this backdrop, what should we expect in the next 6 to 12 months? So uh, inflation is clearly front and center of the current macroeconomic uncertainty and the driver of this year's markets, uh, market downturn. I should mention that inflation is a major challenge primarily, I repeat, primarily in the developed economies of the US and Europe, which provided the biggest stimulus during the pandemic. Inflation remains contained in China, partly due to the COVID lockdowns, of course, and Japan due to structural issues. In North America and Europe, central banks, after hesitating to act last year, and even at the start of this year, have turned decisively hawkish in recent months as they take on inflation. Just in the last month, both the Fed and the ECB have clearly signaled that they are willing to sacrifice growth to sustainably bring down inflation from multi-decade highs. Given this, we see more front-loaded rate hikes in the coming months. By June 2023, for instance, we expect the Fed funds rate target rate at 4.5% from today's 3.25%, and the ECB's benchmark deposit rate in the 2% to 2.25% range 
from just 75 basis points today. Despite the rate hikes, we agree with the consensus that inflation is likely to stay above the central bank's 2% target in the US and Europe through next year. The combination of high near-term inflation and hawkish central banks has raised the probability of US and Euro area recessions in the next 12 months to 75% and 80% respectively. The coming recession will finally bring an end to this long business cycle that I talked about. Okay, so let's talk about the US first. So what are the signposts that we should be watching to see that when uh, the onset of a recession might occur? Yeah, uh, so Steve, for now, the, the consensus uh, expects a sharp slowdown in the US economy, but not an outright recession over the next 12 months. So that we should be clear about where the consensus is right now. However, several indicators in our US monitor have triggered recession warnings in recent months. Initial warnings came from slumping consumer confidence in the first half as soaring inflation hurt disposable incomes. Then we saw an inversion in the government bond yield curve. The 10-year yield has consistently remained below the two-year yield since July as bond investors worry that Fed policy has tightened enough to hurt growth in the coming years. Over the past month, more indicators have signaled a heightened risk of a recession. These include a renewed bear market in U.S. equities, a fall in the new orders to inventories ratio below one as companies facing excessive in inventory cut new orders, an annual change in the conference board's U.S. leading indicator turning negative. The latest warning, of course, came from the Fed's 75 basis points rate hike in September, the third straight 75 basis point rate hike, by the way, which took the benchmark rate at 3.25% above the Fed's so-called neutral rate of 2.5%. This is now turning monetary policy, according to the Fed's own calculations, restrictive. Further rate hike in the coming months are likely to invert the U.S. 10-year versus three-month yield curve, which is historically seen as a timelier indicator of a coming recession. Meanwhile, rising yield premium offered by corporate bonds over U.S. government bonds continue to tighten financial conditions, although the premium remains below the threshold that normally signals an imminent recession. Okay, so I, I guess if I was to play devil's advocate a little bit here, and, and if I was the Fed trying to look for things to su support further monetary tightening, I'd just look at the job market. So that looks that looks pretty strong at the moment, no? Yes, correct. Uh, that is, uh, the you know, the, what we are seeing now. Against this growing number of recession signals that I talked about, the U.S. job market remains robust, with job openings near record highs and the unemployment rate at 3.7% still below the Fed's 4% long-term target. The strong job market, along with nearly $2 trillion of household savings, continues to fuel U.S. consumption, enabling the economy to offset the impact of the tightening fiscal and monetary policy. This explains why the Fed is determined to cool the job market in a bit to suppress wages, shelter costs, which, by the way, accounts for almost a third of U.S. inflation, and overall consumption. We believe the Fed's initial target is to reduce the number of job openings, and the latest data from August suggests job openings are indeed being reduced. The Fed is likely to then accept a rise in the jobless rate above its 4% target. Thus, the key metrics to watch in the coming months will be the number of people filing for unemployment benefits, the so-called initial jobless claims figures, and the overall jobless rate. Business confidence indicators, or PMIs, remain healthy in the U.S., uh, although we've seen a further slowdown in, in recent months, falling from record highs this year. 
But any sharp downturn in the indices, along with any sharp rise in the jobless rate or fall in inflation, would raise the prospects of a pause in the Fed's rate hiking cycle. There is, of course, the chance that U.S. inflation falls more sharply in the coming months than we expect, boosting household disposable incomes. This could extend the consumption boom longer. However, we must remember that it would also mean that the Fed will need to take rates higher than what the markets currently expect. Okay, let's move on from the US and look at Europe. Clearly, the the, the situation there is much much more challenging in some environments or some ways because the Russia-Ukraine crisis and the obviously increase in electricity prices. So, uh, what's your view on the outlook for Europe? Sure, uh, stagflation pressures are growing in Europe, Steve. So, stagflation. Let me define uh, what we mean by stagflation. Stagflation is technically defined as rising inflation stagnating output and rising unemployment. Europe, being on the front line of the energy crisis triggered by the Ukraine war, has already seen soaring inflation. While authorities are trying to shield consumers and industries from higher energy prices, the negative market reaction to the UK's fiscal easing measures, as we saw lately, is likely to constrain future fiscal policy. The consensus now expects euro area economic activity to start contracting from this month, the, in, in Q4, uh, the, the consensus expects a contraction in activity, a view that we align with. As the economy contracts, we expect the unemployment rate in Europe, which fell to a record low in July, to start rising. However, rising, still high rising and, and rising core inflation uh, means the ECB is likely to continue raising rates in the coming months. As President Lagarde reminded us this week, until inflation shows signs of sustainably falling month on month for a few months. We expect the ECB to raise the deposit rate to 2 to 2.25% range by June next year. This is, by the way, below market estimates of around 3% because we expect policymakers there to pause sometime in the first half of next year as the economy enters a recession. Okay, and finally, let's take a quick look at China. So you mentioned earlier that inflation in China is not an issue. So uh, is China's outlook diverging from that of the West? Yes, uh, Steve, it is. And China is, in fact, ahead of the US and Europe in the economic cycle, in the sense that its economy appears to have already bottomed after a contraction in Q2, while the US and Europe appear to be entering a recession now. China's economic activity has been picking up in recent months, on sustained and targeted fiscal and monetary policy easing. As credit growth turned positive, industrial production and retail sales growth accelerated above 4% and 5% respectively in August. Fixed asset investment continued to expand despite a contraction in property investments as local governments brought forward spending on projects. We believe China's economic outlook contrasts with that of the developed markets primarily because inflation there remains under control. We expect subdued inflation to enable the authorities there to accelerate fiscal and monetary policy uh, policy stimulus to revive the economy once the Communist Party Congress is over later this month and President Xi's tenure is secured for another five-year term. The key risk to this outlook is China's zero-COVID policy continuing for a while longer or rising tensions with the US and a persistent slump in the property market despite ongoing measures to stabilize the sector. However, we expect authorities to seize COVID restrictions significantly, or ease, rather, uh, COVID restrictions uh, significantly after winter early next year, 
as the services sector gradually revise, uh, revives due to these easing of restrictions, it should enable China's economic growth to recover towards the 5% target next year that we all were hoping it would achieve this year. Okay, thanks, Rajat. It's always good to end, I guess, on a positive note after the, the, the challenges that we see in the US and Europe, at least China looks a little bit better. So thanks for sharing your thoughts um, on, on the economic environment globally uh, with us today. It clearly looks like to be a, a difficult environment for investors, though, and, and that's likely to continue. I guess I'll be talking to Audrey Go um, tomorrow, who runs our asset allocation team. Uh, to discuss what all this means for from an income investing perspective. In the meantime, thank you, listener, for joining us today, and I hope to speak to you again tomorrow. Take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.